0: We are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Wertz from Wertz Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now onto the show.
1: Do you want to double your profit next year? Are you looking to orient your financial strategies towards growth while also maintaining your peace of mind? Then you're in the right place. Hello and welcome to the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast, a show dedicated to empowering law firm owners to build extraordinary wealth and secure their financial legacies. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, Financial Planner for Law Firm Owners. Today, I have the privilege to introduce Walt Hampton, founder and CEO of Summit Success International. Not only is Walt an accomplished business coach, leadership trainer, and motivational speaker, he also has an extensive experience in the legal field, having been the managing partner of a law firm for nearly 30 years. And did I mention his adventures in high altitude mountaineering and ultra distance running? Walt, welcome to the show. The one thing you left out was the fact that we share the same
2: hairstylist.
1: Yes, <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you for the warm welcome. It's so good to be with you.
1: Indeed, indeed, it's great to have you here, and uh, your energy is infectious. So I'm I'm excited. Uh, you you you've cheered me up already. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I'm just thrilled to have an opportunity to spend some
2: time with you and share some good stuff with with your audience. So thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's let's start with you and uh, your background. You were the managing partner of a law firm for uh, nearly 30 years. Tell us about your background and experience there and how you came to where you are today. So I came out of Cornell Law School in 1984
2: and went the traditional route of going to the big firm. Uh, and it was a great firm. Loved the firm, loved the people. But My dad had built his medical practice from scratch. And so I had this entrepreneurial thing that was just part of my DNA. And even with a partnership offer in my hand, I decided I wanted to go out and begin my own firm. And so about four years after joining the big firm, I founded uh, what was then known as Hampton Law Offices and, my background had been as a trial lawyer and we created in suburban hartford the suburbs of hartford what was the probably the first boutique litigation firm that did sophisticated multi-party multi-district litigation and i built it from there over
1: many many years and and we did great work and i loved it yeah that's fantastic and and i love that you have that that entrepreneurial drive and now you can help other law firm owners who are uh, similarly minded. Was there a moment when you realized that you wanted to do something different than practicing law and get into coaching? Well, I loved litigation.
2: I was good at litigation, but I love creative work and collaborative work, and coaching is that. I get to use all of my skills, knowledge, background, experience, um now working collaboratively with lawyers from all around the world, and that's really fun to build stuff and I loved your introduction, Darren, because I think we as lawyers have the greatest profession on the planet. we get to help people in their time of greatest need we get to um do justice we get to change laws we we get we we literally get to change the world if we think about it like that mm. and so we have this amazing gig and what's frustrating for me because I went through this is that way too many of us get stuck in what I refer to as expensive indentured servitudes rather than having the wealth, the freedom that we
1: deserve in this work. And we do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is there, um, like, you know, in your work now as, as a coach to law firm owners, is there a key struggle or, or a key problem that you're really focused on, on helping them overcome? well, there are lots of keys, but I think a key
2: is that we go into a law practice. That's how we think about our work. Many of us, I'm um, I'm a lawyer. I, I have a law practice. A huge mindset shift is seeing what you're doing as a business. Mm. And if you can begin with that in mind, that you're actually running a business. And when you're running a, a business where everything is running like a business George, you're, you're in that CEO role um, where perhaps you're casting the vision for the firm. Perhaps you're doing that stuff that really lights you up, but you're not stuck worrying about the toner cartridges or whether you're going to get the FedEx carrier on time for the brief that needs to be filed or the other stuff that mires so many of us in the day-to-day work of being a lawyer in a
1: small or medium-sized firm. Mm, mm, you've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> and and so many attorneys, law firm owners, are struggling to make that transition from working in their business to working on their business. How what advice do you have for them or how how do they move or start to move in more into that CEO role and more into that leadership position?
2: First of all, probably by listening to your podcast because <laughs> i think that it i don't I, i'm serious about that because i don't think there's there are a lot of people talking in our world about building a business building a profitable business even thinking about 2xing one's profits or mm. or more um what i give you an example i started working with a uh, um Employment lawyer, and he was doing okay. He was about four hundred k, but he had a bigger he had a bigger vision of it, and mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it um, the old fashioned way. And he, we created a recurring revenue model that helped serve unions that took his that took his. Um, Grows from 400 to 1.2, 1.3 million over the course of 18 months. And that was because he had the audacity to think about business modeling in a completely different way. And so yeah. number one is, you know, giving yourself the permission to listen to podcasts like yours to to be curious about, you know, what different business models might be out there. So that's number one. Number two is beginning to set really clear business goals. One of the things we do as lawyers is we look in the rearview mirror all the time. Hmm. Oh, that was a bad quarter. Oh, 2022 wasn't as good as 2021. Rather than be future casting, and we do this when we like go on vacation, we know where we're going. Yeah, We ought to have that same future direction with our businesses. Where where do I want my business to be at the end of 2024? Let's get clear on that and then let's drive there. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I love that. Thinking about the future, that's such a critical um, aspect. And it's so important to think big and expand your horizons. You know, we can get so stuck in the status quo and so stuck in you know, where we are, there's a, there's a psychological term for that. I forget exactly what it is, but, um, it, it's a common behavioral, uh, a psychological thing for human beings. We, we get used to our surroundings and if we've had some failure, maybe we've lost some clients or we've lost some business and all of a sudden we're, our thinking is shrinking. And we're, we're getting smaller and smaller instead of waking up and saying, okay, wait a minute, there's a whole huge new opportunity out here, a whole new direction that I could go in. Absolutely. Um, Early on in my
2: um, law firm building, I had an amazing assistant. Her name was Rosemary, and she lasted about six months. Uh, And one day she came into me and she said, Walt, you're like a hamster on a wheel. And that was not a compliment. Mm. and um, that was a wake-up call for me because that was true. I was a hamster on a wheel. And so one of the things I've already alluded to is we get caught in the weeds of our business day in and day out, and it's very hard to step back, and I think Mm. it's incredibly important we can talk about what that looks like, stepping back, stepping out, and beginning to to plan as you would for a business. The other... As an executive coach, I'm supposed to say challenge. The other challenge, no, it's a problem. The other problem that um, lawyers have is that there's this kind of lawyer way of doing things. You know, we all drive the same uh, late model car, we wear wear the same suits, we belong to the same clubs. And if you begin to think kind of outside that box, it's uncomfortable. You alluded to that a, a, a while ago. So, it's very for any human being to step outside their comfort zone, but we're even though we're capable of really precision thinking as lawyers, we often leverage that ability with respect to our own businesses.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I see it in in real time. I'm sure you see it with clients you're working with. Um, you know, certain clients who they've been kind of stuck for a long time. Uh, how do we begin to try and get unstuck and and try to start broadening those horizons? Mm-hmm. So, uh, w- one thing is we actually have to stop.
2: You know the old lot. Uh, those of us who have had kids and you know you're raising kids and you're afraid they're going to get lost in the woods. If you get lost, stay exactly where you are. Go and hug a tree. We actually have to. We actually have to stop the madness for a bit. And step back and step out. So, you know, at least quarterly, I'll take a day away from the business and at least annually three or four days to step out of the business and to look back at the previous period. And we do a very simple debrief process. It's two questions. Did well, do differently. Um, Mm. You know, what went well? Well, we want to do more of that. What would we do differently going at? And that stopping long enough to think and to then begin to plan. And then, you know, we can talk if you want about what project planning looks like into the future. But the first step is is that idea of just stopping and getting clarity again. Dreaming, daring to dream again about what life could be. Yeah. Because a lot of this gets so, I've seen way too many lawyers literally die at their desks because they don't have the imagination
1: to create real freedom for themselves. Mm. Yeah, I, I, can, I can hear, I can just imagine people as you're saying that thinking, oh my goodness, taking a whole day, once a quarter and not doing any work. <laughs> that might strike some panic in some people.
2: When I was running my law firm, I would take anywhere from please, um, if you're driving, uh, don't go off the road, um, anywhere from eight to twelve weeks a year off from my practice. Wow, and we had a significantly successful practice with a, with a lovely team. Uh, but anywhere, I'm I'm a high altitude mountaineer. Um, and that means, like, I disappear for long periods of time to remote places in the world where there are there is no communication. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, 28 days in the Arctic um, in May, uh, I remember having a conversation um, uh, with Judge Dyer. I had I in my later years I did criminal defense, which I loved because uh, it um, served more of my short attention span that civil litigation didn't, but. Um, I was about to go to the Arctic on this long expedition. And there was this case that kept on um going on and on and on. And I thought, I'm gonna settle this thing today. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna take it, we're gonna take it to plea. It's gonna be done. I'm gonna be fine. I can go away. And it didn't lay down. Hmm. So I go out into open court and I said, Your Honor. He said, in This in this matter, Dr. attorney, Am- No, I need a continuance. He said, This matter has been on my docket for. It has been in my dock out way too long, a week. i <laughs> on, on a plane the next day for four weeks. I looked at him. I said, Judge Dyer, Attorney Hampton is going away, third person. Attorney Hampton is going away for his one of his notoriously long mountain climbing expeditions. I need at least four and a half weeks. Oh, wow. He looked at me. He had the gavel in his hand. I thought he was going to come over the, the bench. <laughs> he slams the gavel down. He says, five weeks, Attorney Hampton. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wow. So it's a great little story. But but I also, because, you know, I, I'm not alone in this. And I don't know whether we talked about this before, but I was a single dad raising three young boys on my own for a dozen years while I managed my mm-hmm. law firm. Um, And I made a commitment that I would be home for them um, in the middle of the afternoon to help them with their homework and get dinner going. And in that dozen years, I never got any significant pushback from colleagues or courts around what I needed as a dad. And I think part of it was, you know, we did great work. We did honest work. I, I said exactly what I needed in terms of boundaries, but I was able to create a life that that allowed me to be a dad and to have fun. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we tell ourselves stories as lawyers that of what's not possible. Yeah, and we have we became lawyers so that we could be um, have control over our lives, not to lose it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, well, let's uh, talk more about the specifics of, you know, becoming more successful in in scaling your practice. Um, What are some strategies that you have found effective in helping your clients to achieve more of that time and financial freedom that you were talking about and also minimizing their stress? So first of all, every time management
2: productivity and leadership book will tell you you need to carve out some time for you on a daily basis so you have to be grounded you have to be healthy you have to be well which means that you need time for you and that sounds counterproductive well how am i going to grow my scale my practice well you're not going to grow and scale your practice unless you're well grounded yourself that means your emotional life your physical life your uh um psychological life, your spiritual life you need you need to have a good grounding which means you need to have great morning disciplines morning practices that allow you to start that day productively the second day thing is we've talked about you know having this, meta idea about where you're going but once you've created a plan for where you want to go in a quarter or a year then reverse engineering that to have a plan for your weeks for your days so that you are following those plans and within those days structuring your days so that you're staying resourceful working in what we call block time taking time out during the day um, learning to be a good delegator, learning to say no because no is a full sentence, um, <laughs> having, having a a ritual about the end of the day. You know, a lot of people talk about having um, a morning routine. You ought to have a, an evening routine, too, because you ought to have a shutdown so that you can rest and recharge and, re- and rejuvenate, can kind of come back at it the next day. Yeah. And then in the day, recognizing what your zone of genius is, what your zone of excellence is, what you love to do, and delegate the rest.
1: Hmm. <laughs> that is hard for, for many people. Um, and I'm sure you've run into that when when working with with people. I love, by the way, the suggestion to have an end of day routine. Um, I have a great morning routine. I get up at five. I read. I have my coffee. Um but an end-of-day routine that is uh that is really a fantastic concept at 6 p.m
2: i review my plan for t- the day th- the next day do a last check to see whether there's any emergent stuff in the uh, email inbox and i have a practice where i close the laptop and that's it for the day wow it's done i don't go i don't go back into social media I don't get back into email because I have a wonderful partner. I have a a, a lovely home. Uh, I have stuff that I want to read and think about and create. And you got to do that if you want to stay resourceful to go the distance. And we yeah. do challenging work. We got, we got us, you know, as an endurance athlete, I know that it's axiomatic that I have to rest. Yeah. Because resting is part of getting
1: stronger. Hmm. yeah great stuff i love that this, this seems just so very serene and and peaceful to have that as you're describing it as you're describing your your end of day routine there um you mentioned delegating uh let's talk about that for a minute what are some uh, obstacles that prevent law firm owners from effectively delegating tasks to their employees and how can they overcome those
2: okay um where to dive into this so first of all i think it's understanding first what you like to do what you do well what is fun for you as a lawyer and once you've identified that and you recognize the value of that to your firm understanding Number one, that the most pernicious cost, the most dangerous cost for any business, for any entrepreneur, for any professional is opportunity cost. Hmm. If I'm working and my hourly rate is um, $500 an hour or $600 an hour, and I begin to get engaged in work that a parent could do at $100 an hour, I am burning $400 an hour away. I'm throwing it away. Yeah. Opportunity cost is huge. And so recognizing one's zone of excellence, that place where you really like to do your work, recognizing that not staying in that work is costing you an extraordinary amount of money, and then making the conscious conscious decision of who should help you, or now with AI, what AI can help you? So many, you know, so many times lawyers will say, Oh my God, I have so much to do, I don't know how to get it done. Wrong question. The question is who should get it done or what AI should take over for this to get it done. Not how am I going to get it done? It's who else is going to do this? Because anytime you're feeling that friction, anytime you're feeling that stress, it means it's not in your zone of genius and it ought to go onto somebody else's plate. Yeah. And then when you make that decision, decide who that who is going to be. Let's just go with that thread for a minute. And then figure out what your pancake recipe is for that. <laughs> This comes from one of my clients. He had a son, Bruno, and I'm teaching this guy um, all of the ideas around delegation, and he wasn't getting it. I said, Bruno likes to cook, right? He's six years old. Yeah, he he makes pancakes. I said, I bet you had to break that down into little tiny steps for Bruno. Mm. Yeah. Like, where's the pan, and where's the pancake mix, and here's the stool to stand on. Do you get the measuring cup? So we all have pancake recipes for stuff. We all yeah. for everything we do. Understanding that, then we can find the right who and sit down and walk them through it while you're running a video or audio doing it. Mm. And so you're teaching it like my. Client taught it to his son, Bruno. You're teaching how to make pancakes and it's being memorialized. Yeah. The person who's learning that can go back to the video or the audio. And they are delegated the responsibility of updating the pancake recipe because if things have been left out or missed or things change. And then if there's a new pancake maker who comes in, there's an already extant delegation library around how to open a file, how to close a file, how to get, how to get you ready for a deposition, how to get your trial uh, exhibits squared away. Mm-hmm. There are pancake recipes for all of that, mm-hmm. and so you memorialize them and allow the person who is doing them to update that, and it's off your plate. Yeah. The objections are these, Darren. Well, no one can do it as well as I can. That's correct. Probably true. But in AI, in this world of AI, mm, it may do it better than you. But but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but eighty percent of me, if I'm staying in my zone of excellence, is just fine. Just fine. Hmm. Done is better than perfect. I'm not incurring um, uh, the opportunity cost. Yeah. I do debriefs with everything. So someone does um, a a project, the associate, the para sits down with me. I do a debrief. I do it in the same way we do my own debriefs. Here's what you did really well. Here's what I might do differently the next
1: time. Mm -hmm. And here's what you've done really well. Go forth. Yeah. And the truth is that really is. I mean, delegation is, is such a critical component. I mean, you're not going to be able to achieve that time, freedom and financial freedom that you really want, unless you're able to start stepping into that and delegating those tasks. Absolutely. And, you know, when you surround yourself
2: with good, good people and you allow them I hate the word empower because that connotes someone has the power and someone doesn't. But when you allow them to step into their own power and efficacy, I'll, many times they will dazzle you. I think I have amazing ideas there. In fact, I think my ideas are just the best ideas in the world. And then <laughs> sometimes my director of operations will come to me. And she says, I know you want to accomplish this, but how about we do it that way? And I go, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's even better. Yes. And so, you know, having a team that you allow to support you, and I would even take it one step further, because this is part of our culture. My senior team is directed to protect my zone of genius. Mm. So checking email is a way outside my pay grade. Calendaring. I think I made an exception with you. I think you and I did this together. I, <laughs> I didn't tell anybody, um, but calendaring is not something I do. Yeah, I do not do those tasks. It takes way too much time to check my email,
1: mm-hmm. and that's scary for most lawyers. And in my experience, I mean, the time is one thing, but the mental energy is is really the the big thing for me, at least in in checking emails. Um, you see this huge long list. So I, I read once, once somewhere that uh, your email inbox is everyone else's to do list for you. <laughs> I love that. I, I,
2: in in my teaching, I have a very uh, it's someone's else's someone else's agenda for your day. Yeah, yeah. And if you set an agenda for your day, which most of us don't, but if you set an agenda for your day and you spend those first productive hours of your day on your agenda. Hmm. Rather than on someone else's agenda, wow, a magic starts to happen.
1: Yeah, game changer, for Game-ger. sure. <laughs> game changer. So we talked about business goals. We talked about having big goals, you know, for the year. And so as we're going through, you know, getting twenty twenty four started, um, what tips or you know, uh, you know, advice would you like listeners to take away from today? Uh, law firm owners who are trying to make that two X vision for twenty twenty four. What are some some practical takeaways that you'd like to leave us with? Well, two X sounds
2: great, um, and um, it's absolutely achievable. But you actually have to sit down and like know what two X is. You have to know what that number is. You actually have to focus on that number, and then you need to reverse engineer the activities that will get you to two X. And so part of what needs to happen, and I don't care whether it's, you know, uh, uh, end of Q1, end of Q2, whatever quarter, and certainly on a on a biannual and annual basis, sitting down and doing that planning process, mapping that out, getting clear on the target, reverse engineering. You know, and I'll just I'll I'll give you a very micro. You know, if if you had um, a criminal defense practice, And you knew that um, for a DUI, you charged um, $5,000 for a DUI um, and you wanted to make $100,000 in the quarter. Well, all you need to do is some simple math and then you need to, then you need to reverse engineer. Okay, how do I market such that I get the leads such that I get the case? It's just, it's just math. It's not so long as you sit down and do it mm-hmm. and plan it out, all the way back to what do I need to do to get those leads? Right, systems. Do I need to get that are reliable? For me, it was a referral marketing, um, because you know I represented good suburban kids who got into trouble. They did not get their lawyers from Kiwanis um, um, placemats or Little League billboards. They went to their estate planning lawyers and their corporate lawyers and say, would you recommend and so so you know understanding your business lead gen in such a way that you then have a reliable predictable way to generate the target that you've described and then working that plan
1: yeah insistently and the middle part is so critical because if you bring in twice the leads okay you got to have the infrastructure there to deal with that, right? And and to actually create the business from that. <laughs> yes, and the systems and the processes. Having so, I
2: I've alluded to this a number yeah. of times. A, a law firm that is going to be a, there's a reason that the seventeen year old making the burger at Mickey D's in San Francisco is the same burger that you get in Paris, and that's because there is a SOP that tells you how many seconds on each side of the burger it needs to get burgered. SOPs mm-hmm. SOPs having a standard operating procedure that becomes an operations manual that I could use. If you called me up and said, Hey, Walt, I know you're probably uh, wanting to go travel to Alaska, but could you cover for me for a week? I could come in and open your operating manual and know uh, how you answer the phone how you um open a file um how you communicate how you close a file if i had that that's a ticket to freedom and you can build that
1: one delegation process at a time yeah absolutely great stuff well thank you so much for sharing all of your insights with us unfortunately we're out of time here i'd love to keep going <laughs> absolutely but i've got one more question for you real quickly if you would share with us what is your millionaire mission? And what I mean by that is what is your big purpose behind what you do? I've already alluded to it. I think we have a really
2: important work to do in the world. And I am driven by the fact that we have the opportunity to do that work and have rich, full, and deeply satisfying lives and I want your listeners, I want my colleagues, I want the people I serve to wake up every single day looking forward to this
1: amazing work that they get to do. That's what, that's what fuels me. Great, great. I love it. Well, Walt, I um, imagine people may have questions or want to learn more about you. And how can they find you?
2: Well, they can go to our
1: website,
2: which is summit-success.com, summit-success.com.
1: They can email me. At Walt at summit-success.com. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of another enriching episode. A big thanks to Walt for sharing his invaluable experience with us today. And of course, our gratitude to you, our listeners, for tuning in and investing in your future. If you found this episode helpful, please take a moment to share it with your colleagues and friends who might also benefit. Your sharing helps us reach more law firm owners. Don't forget to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And if you could, leave us a review. It would be much appreciated. For more information to learn how we help law firm owners like you create extraordinary wealth, please visit thelawyermillionaire.com. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz. Thanks for joining us today, and I'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.